Hello, friend. Thanks for tuning in. It is 2 a.m., and I have some fresh perspective, hot off the press. Well, I've, I've been thinking about some of this for a very long time, so it's finally ripe enough to, uh, to talk about. So here we are. I just spent the last three, four hours or so writing a couple of letters to some individuals who I feel were judging me. And that that's a pretty awkward feeling when you think someone is judging you and you're racking your brain for everything that you could possibly have contributed to why doesn't this person like me? So I've been going through that process for hmm, hmm, probably a year now. Yeah, and um, and uh, oof. Yeah, so about a year, I've been thinking about this and. In the course of things, God has brought it to my attention. Okay, you have this thought towards that person that is not right. And you have this thought towards that person that is not right. And, um, I'm, that, there was one day where, there was so much for me to think about in regards to, my own wretchedness, that I had to lay in bed the entire afternoon just trusting God for my righteousness because I realized, my goodness, I am a horrible person. So there there was that. And then today, tonight, this morning, this evening, yeah, that. So then recently, um... There is one person who I've been talking to about this other one person. And uh, they don't personally know the other individual. So um, there's, there's distance, there's no association. And um, most of my talking to my counselor friend has been about, um, you know, God is convicting me of this towards them and God is convicting me of this towards them and I've not been doing this in the relationship okay so that's all been very appropriate and then today I said you know this thing kind of hurt me and I shared what it was and I'm just like I can't put my finger on why this hurts me my friend got very angry on my behalf. Which validated a lot of my angst over the past year. Extremely. And then after my friend got angry, I explained, well, this happened and that hurt me, and this happened and that hurt me. And I realized, you know, this is is how this person best absorbs information, and this is... You know, they don't like confrontation, so I'm going to write them a letter, and I'm going to sit on it for a while, 
and time how I give it to them so that it is well received. And you know, there's something very important about confronting people. Jesus says in the book of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And, you know, we're responsible for our own behavior first. I don't, you know, God, God calls all sin, sin. So I don't think he's minimizing sin here. I think He's not minimizing the sin of the other person by any means. He's, he's a very just God. I'm very thankful for that. Um, I think he is, is using some dramatization for our level of responsibility towards our own sin versus the people around us. So if we do not deal with our own issues first... We are in no position, we have no authority to confront someone else on theirs. And biblically speaking, this is kind of the function of a prophet, but it's also the calling of all believers to confront their brother and sister in Christ. And scripture says, <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the book of Matthew right now. That's, that's what we're doing. Well, also, it was, it was filmed as the, uh, as the visual Bible um, with the actor Bruce Marciano, who is an incredible missionary, author, creative person, um, and is a huge role model for me. Um, so having, having the, because I'm an auditory learner but a visual artist movies and dialogue and audio that sticks with me very very well so I know the book of Matthew better than any of the other four gospels that's why I talk about it a lot I need to solve that and I'm working on it (laughs) but we're in the book of Matthew so in the book of Matthew Jesus also says now granted I don't have chapter and verse for most of these but with a concordance and a keyword search you can basically figure out where it is. That's, that's why we have concordances. That's why we have search functions and Bible app. And if you put enough keywords in Google, it will generally tell you where it is. So there's no excuse. And I feel as long as I know what book I'm talking about, I'm not going to feel guilty for referencing scripture. It doesn't return void. End of story. There, I just quoted scripture. Do I know where that's from? I actually don't. Do I feel bad about that? Not really, because there's so much for me to learn. And do I understand the book of Isaiah? No. So back on topic, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, If you are at the temple presenting your gift to the Lord, and you know that your brother has something against you, leave your gift and go and be reconciled to your brother. Work it out. That is a calling for all believers. If you know you've done something wrong and you're trying to worship God, go make it right. Even if, even if you contributed 10% to their 90, which most of the time that isn't the case, but 
you know, these things do have percentages. I would absolutely agree with that. But, you know, even if you are responsible for 1% of the conflict, you still have a responsibility. That is your plank in your eye. You still have a responsibility to address the plank in your own eye. And while we're talking about removing dust and planks from eyeballs, let me observe that this is surgery. We are talking about spiritual surgery. Now, you would not want a surgeon to go into the surgery room with unwashed hands, having just picked his nose and wiped his butt. However, we go into confronting our brothers and sisters in Christ with that level of preparation far too consistently. And it is grievous in the sight of God. Grievous. It, yeah, yeah. So this is where you, you have to be walking in righteousness in order to have the spiritual integrity to confront people and And not have your crap handed back to you. Like, who are you to talk to me? I'm not receiving what you've said because you still haven't apologized for X. And if you don't, if you haven't talked to God and you don't even know what X is, who boy? Who boy? Now, some people might say that I was gossiping to my counselor friend about the individual who hurt me. I would say no, because gossip, gossip is about, (laughs) I need to do way more reading on this, this one's still not fully baked, Um, I was going to my counselor friend with honesty about, I am struggling with this, I need an outside perspective, I need counselors. And Proverbs does say that there is wisdom in many counselors. (laughs) Now, many is a a relative term to the situation. I only need one person to counsel me on this. So I'm going to have the self-control. Lord, please give me the self-control. I am going to have the self-control to only talk to that person about this. (sighs) So... There's another passage of Matthew we need to talk about. Matthew 18. This is so beautiful. I can't even tell you. So beautiful. I have needed this divine revelation in my life for years. Years. Here it is. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18. He tells two stories, two scenarios. One, if someone sins against you, confront them privately, individually. Don't embarrass them in front of other people. 
go to them individually. If they do not hear you, if they are not receptive, take one or two others and have them confront them. On the internet, this can be done by multiple people confronting one person about the same issue. So just because you're not in person doesn't mean that this doesn't apply. So now two or three people have have approached this person and said, we see this issue, you are hurting us, God, the church, with this action, behavior, sin, so forth. If they do not listen to you the second time, go to the church. Now, I need to look up what that means. I'm not sure if this means the leadership of the church, or I'm not sure if this means the extended congregation. But either way, it means you're going to a larger authority group, and you're going to a a broader audience, for sure. And there are pastors who have had to ask people to leave their church when they are unrepentant in sin. And the most consistent sin in this case is adultery. Um, but really, it, it might need to be practiced more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jesus says something very interesting, and he says something very strong. Listen to how strong this wording is. And I for- forgive me for the paraphrase. This is Matthew 18. Go read it for yourself. He basically says, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. He's basically saying, don't associate with this person because they hold a belief set and a value set that is completely contradictory to yours. It does not mean that you are rude to them. It does not mean that you are mean. It means that you distance yourself from them. You do not hold them in close confidence. You do not associate with them voluntarily. That is extremely strong language. I love how Jesus uses such strong, emphatic language. He's so dramatic. I'm so thankful for that because I'm very dramatic and I'm like, God, why I'm this way? And he's like, you're made in my image. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Please help me be mature. It's really interesting to be very emotional and learn how to be mature because people don't respect you as much because you have a lot of emotions. They respect people who are more serious because automatically they think they're more mature, but sometimes the serious person might be privately selfish or cowardly or something, and the emotional person actually might be more mature and take more responsibility. Um, That is certainly not always the case. And um, I'll be the first to say that emotional immaturity 
gets on my very last nerve. <laughs> um, so, but let me just say that I've experienced the prejudice of, you know, oh, she's emotional, so she must not be mature. Mm, I, I'm going to have to challenge you that on that. I'm going to have to challenge you on that. That's one of my new phrases. I'm going to have to challenge you on that. Mm, the, ooh, that's, that's a, I'm keeping that in my pocket. Mm, that, that one's nice. Yeah. That one came out of my mouth yesterday, and uh, it, it came out again today, and it's, mm, that's sticking. Yeah, this is awkward. But it's good. It's very good. So, um, within the same passage of Matthew 18, right up next to it, after Jesus says, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector, and whatever two or more of you decide, whatever you bind on loose will be bound, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them in agreement. Context. There I am in agreement on their decision regarding association with a person who is living in sin. Jesus tells us that we are allowed to evaluate fruit. Do figs grow from thistles? No. That's also from Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. So we are allowed to evaluate the tree by its fruit, and that section where he talks about that is right next to the part where he says, don't judge, otherwise the measure you use will be measured to you. So we are allowed to evaluate people's fruit, we are not allowed to judge them. And it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of practice to know the difference. It takes a lot of humility to say, that person is sinning. But I am capable of also doing such sin. So I'm going to restrain from judgment. I'm going to let, let the Lord evaluate their sin. And there are many times when I'm extremely volatilely angry at the injustice in the world. And I think to myself, the Lord will serve his justice. He will. And to go to another verse in Matthew... Anyone who causes one of these little ones to stumble, or excuse me, anyone who causes one of these little ones to sin, it'd be better if he had a millstone tied around his neck and he was drowned in the ocean. Drowning's a terrible way to die. And Jesus said, if you cause a baby to sin, it's better if you drown. Hashtag strong language. Excuse me while I date myself as a 2018 millennial. I'm 31. Am I still a millennial? I don't know how this works. Mm. So, oh boy. So the passage where Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I totally said that wrong, didn't I? It's 2.30 in the morning. Let's, let's give me some slack here. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. For there I am with you in agreement where three or more of you are gathered. If you are walking in righteousness, if you are evaluating a person's fruit and you decide a decision about someone, there I am gathered with you. Mind you, Jesus said going to someone to get their ass- assistance in a confronting for someone for this sin, that's biblical, that is not gossip either. This takes a lot of discernment and a lot of practice and a lot of humility because if you don't approach people with humility, 
you will have your butt handed to you. So right next to that passage, Jesus says, Peter asks, how many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times? Up to seven times? And and Peter asks a very, very important question here. How many times do I forgive? And Peter thinks, I'm being generous by saying seven. And Jesus says, um, 70 times seven, a.k.a. slash infinity. Every time it comes up, you need to forgive your brother. And then he tells the story of the servant who didn't forgive his fellow servant after he was forgiven. So our motive for forgiving other people needs to be realizing that, that God has forgiven our sin. All of it. And when David repented in that psalm, whose number I can't think of, of his sin with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah, he said, against you, O God, I have sinned. Ultimately, ultimately, when we sin against people, even if we're just judging them, we are sinning against a person who is made in the image of God. And yes, Maybe that person is Hitler. Maybe that person is a dedicated Satanist who, who qualifies for the Book of Jude statement that, you know, these persons are bent, are, are, are devoted destruction. But they are still made the image of God and we as Christians are still responsible to God for how we treat them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And the good part is that if you are in a healthy relationship of loving God and receiving love from him, generally you have overflow to love your neighbor. That was the last podcast And I have more to talk about that, but I'm going to try and stay on topic. So Jesus says, you need to forgive your brother to infinity. You need to forgive the people who hurt you to infinity. Like, that is excruciating. I'm, oh my gosh. Like, you know when when somebody hurts you or they say something and it's just kind of like passing and then it's under the bridge and you can't really mention it to them. There's no good way to say, hey, what you said really hurt me. You know those kinds of things, but then it like haunts you like five years later and you're like, what they said really hurt me. Yeah, you have to keep forgiving them. Here's the good news. While we are called to forgive consistently, it does not mean that we need to continue associating with that person. We are called to go through the protocol of confronting them. And then if they don't hear us, multiple ways, stepping away. And honestly, you don't have to talk to the entire church before realizing that a relationship needs to be stepped away from. 
I am in the process of writing a letter to my mother. I didn't talk about her very much in my testimony because that relationship, my emotions towards that relationship was still a work in progress. And I knew that I had to write her a letter. I knew I had to distance myself from her when I was so angry that I wanted to hurt her and I couldn't fall asleep, but I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was so angry. And come to find out, there's, there was a lot of genuine reason for me to be angry. And my life is much healthier for not having the same amount of communication as before. She has been very controlling. Even even up until this age in my life. And I am 31 years old. I have long been an adult. Am I going to go in the juicy details of what she did? I don't think that's useful. I think that would be gossip. I don't think that's any of your business. At least not for this podcast. Man, I am dropping the distinctive, strong opinions. This recording, that is for sure. So, where was I? Yeah. Forgiveness, continual. Association? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There are most certainly relationships or... things that don't qualify as relationships where people hurt people where there is no ability for you to even go back and confront the person. Maybe they have passed away. Maybe it was... I, I had a hit-and-run driver. I never saw that person's face, and yet they hurt me very deeply. And if you want the full story, it's, it's in my testimony podcast, which I kind of try and link out there, but it's the one, if you scroll down, it's the one that says, Why does God heal slowly? Because God definitely heals slowly, but his healing is also full and complete. So maybe you have one of those interactions where you can't confront the person, and there's no resolution, there's no closure, quote-unquote, there's no reconciliation, or you are so hurt by that person you don't trust them to reconcile, you don't see... You don't see change on their part that demonstrates that they understand how they have hurt you. And if you don't see that, you have no business putting yourself out there and letting yourself be hurt again. None. I would also like to make the point that different people are toxic for different people. I want to go into this more in another podcast, but different people are toxic for different people and it depends on 
the the boundaries and the emotional health of each of us as individuals and someone who is toxic for one person might be totally fine as a mentee to someone else with healthier boundaries and someone who knows how to pray for that person, who knows how to counsel them having probably made the same mistakes that they've made, who is willing to participate in genuine spiritual warfare for that person's freedom. And it is also in the book of Matthew. There are these enemy spirits who only come out through prayer and fasting. That last bit depends on your translation. And I get very worked up over that, but that this is not the podcast for that either. So, I have run into a bit of a uh, dilemma with confronting people. I really like earning people's respect. And I really like it when people like me. I don't like cashing that in. Especially not to tell them hard things that might make them not like me. Possibly ever again. Because I kind of just did one of those yesterday. And it was excruciating. That, that person annoyed me for years. Off and on. Ouch. Ouch. It's very difficult to remain compassionate when we're hurting. And that's why it is absolutely necessary to walk in forgiveness and to walk in humility and to take the plank out of your own eye first. Otherwise, you will have your butt handed to you. I'm never going to give up the very emphatic language. So if this is not your cup of tea then maybe I'm not the podcast for you. That is totally fine. It's a big world out there. There's lots of Bible teachers who are way better than I am, go, than, who are way better than I am, and better at talking. So if this is not for you, just delete the podcast and move on with your life, please. And you can send me hate mail if you want, because I probably need the constructive criticism. And yes, I know I ramble. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. If you overlook my faults, I'll overlook yours. For forgiveness, that, that sounds good. Planks back, please, thank you. I'd appreciate that. But no, there's no one that says, nothing that says you have to listen to me. I'm, I, I've read the Bible all of one time, and the only Greek word I know is skubula, which comes from Philippians, where Paul says, I count all of my righteousness in my own effort as scubula, which is the Greek word for poop. Yes, I know the word poop in quite a few languages, but that's really not relevant to any podcast I will probably ever do. But it's a fun fact, and I really like poop jokes, but that's still not relevant. So, if you want to send me hate mail, you can. I probably won't like it, but, you know, if you send me constructive criticism with that taking the plank out of your own eye first, I would definitely appreciate that because Lord knows 
most of my sanctification over the years has come from very kind souls who told me about my own sin and I I need that. So it is now full on three in the morning and I was talking about how I am disliking cashing in on people's like for me, people's respect for me, so as to tell them the truth. However, Jesus did this all the time. The most obvious examples are when Jesus fed the 5,000. You talk about earning popularity points. There was another time in the Gospels where they were so enthralled with him that he had to run away because he knew that they were going to try and crown him king. Like, that mob mentality is all over the place. All over the place. And it swings on a dime. And, And if you have a charismatic personality, you can earn people's like for you. That is wonderful. Jesus was very good at doing this. I'm sure he was probably the most charismatic person in the room. You know he had to be a good speaker because people sat and listened to him all day without eating anything. You don't do that when someone is boring. I'm sure Jesus had to be crazy funny. Like, there is no good way to capture that in the Gospels, but you can't listen to a speaker that long and for him to not be full-on interesting. And if you think that long form is dead then obviously you, you're listening to this podcast and you're 35 minutes in, so I don't know why that's a question. I'm sorry I brought it up. Never mind. So Jesus knew how to earn popularity points, but then he also knew how to turn around and spend them. So look at this. He's casting a wide net. Let me feed the people. This is going to blow their minds. This little boy is bringing me five loaves and two fish out of the faith in his heart. And God is just, boom, multiplying it to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. So we're probably looking at, you know, close upwards of, upwards of 11,000, maybe even up to 15,000 people. Like, how... How do you even talk to that many people without a microphone? And then you've got kids who are like crawling around and crying as kids do. I'm, my mind is blown. I don't know how that works. But there must have been some really good acoustics in the rocks somewhere. And Jesus knew exactly where to stand for his voice to project. Because he's God and he knows how sound works like that. Way cool. So, the Romans did figure out how to project their voices and um, create... Um, um, arenas so that you could speak at a normal voice and everyone could hear you because it literally worked with the sound waves. It's science and it's cool. So Jesus cast a wide net to, to get as much attention as possible and to get as many people's interest as possible. And then he would turn around and say things like, You must drink my blood and eat my flesh. Like, you realize how weird that sounds. Like, we're so used to these things because we know the full story that we forget how dramatic Jesus was. 
Like, the fact that Jesus said that gives me so much comfort. Dude was a prophet. Dude absolutely was a prophet, priest, and king. And Hebrews emphasizes Jesus is a better prophet and a better priest and a better king than all these other people. And Jesus himself said only a prophet, only in his hometown is a prophet without honor. And by that, he meant himself. So by Jesus' own words, he called himself a prophet. And part of the function of a prophet is to confront people. So if you have a problem with that function as part of the church today, you need to go read up on how Jesus spoke of himself by calling himself a prophet, and then also he confronted people who were hard-hearted. He confronted the Pharisees multiple times. He chewed them out in public. He called them a brood of snakes. And he also compared a political leader to a fox. So Jesus is not, Jesus is making animal comparisons based on character. That is heavy. It's very heavy. Yeah. So Jesus, being dramatic, turns around and says, you must drink my blood and eat my flesh. And these people who have who they just signed up, signed up for the free barley loaves, are like, wait, are you trying to teach us about cannibalism? You are weirding me out, dude. Bye-bye. And then he turns to the disciples and says, are you going to leave too? Because he got this brig-wide following, and then he had to thin it down to the people who were actually there who wanted to hear him. And the disciples said, Where would we go? Where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. And if you have listened to my podcast on Those Who Have Will Be Given More, is the title, What Does It Mean, Volume 1. I think I have the volume 1 on there. Otherwise, I need to update it. Um, Because what does it mean is probably going to be a recurring theme. What does it mean? Recurring theme. (sighs) But the disciples were hungry for what Jesus had to say. They were hungry for spiritual food. And so Jesus rewarded that by feeding them and giving them more and inspiring more questions, obviously. But that's, that's part of our relationship with God. And that's inevitable. <sighs> so part of the reason why I don't want to spend those popularity points is because I want people to like me. And if I refrain from telling someone the truth about themselves because I want them to like me more than I care about their growth and development and health as a human being, that is incredibly selfish. Incredibly selfish. So me being harsh to my friend yesterday was actually the most loving thing I could do because she had no idea and now is the right time to talk about it. And the people that I need to write letters to, maybe they're aware. 
I'm I'm gonna switch I'm gonna switch topics for a second. I'm gonna put myself in I'm gonna tell a story about a time when I judged a friend. Oh boy. This one is painful. So I had a opinion about a friend. And I never voiced it openly to them. But it seeped through the cracks. Consistently. Over the years that we were friends. And one day, she called me on it. And I sat in the bathroom at work, texting and probably crying. And watched that friendship of... Oh my gosh. Um, Probably four years. Easily four years. Just disintegrate. And she was right. She was right. I had judged her. For a thing. And, um... You know, how that came about and her responsibility in that is not any of your business. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't all me, but I was definitely responsible for me. And um, we reconciled and I asked for her forgiveness at the end of that text conversation. And then... And we've never spoken to each other ever again. Because it... I hurt her too badly. And the trust that was broken couldn't be repaired. And I also realized that... I depended on her... To verbally process with. Um, But I was probably taking more than I was giving... I was doing that with a fair number of my friendships and it took losing a lot of them. I can think of her and another girlfriend right off the top of my head where in in, in that girlfriend's scenario she and I were codependent on each other in a way that wasn't healthy, and so when it came time to grow apart, we kind of just grew apart, and we didn't grow together, because we, the only way to break that cycle was to really separate, Um, and again, that goes back to some people who are toxic for you might not be toxic for others. So I'm I'm thankful for all of those friendships. I'm thankful for everything that I learned because of those people. And I'm sad because of what I put them through, but I'm also grateful that at the end of time, all of those women, sisters in Christ, we're going to get to the end of time and we're going to compare notes, even if it is just a fraction of a millisecond as we look in each other's eyes we're going to reconcile 
And it probably will only be a fraction of a millisecond because God's goodness will so outweigh everything that we put everybody through. And I mean everything. Like you realize scripture says, I do not consider the glory of God worth comparing with these light and momentary troubles. Paul calls the struggle of this life light and momentary. You realize that includes genocide and rape and every form of abuse and psychological abuse? Please forgive me for another tangent, but think about the black women who were slaves in the southern plantations and the master decided to play hooky on his wife on the side and they're female slaves so they don't get much say in the matter. But then they're also house servants, and the wife kind of eventually figures out what the husband is up to, so then the wife is psychologically tormenting those same slaves. Like, that is still considered light and momentary. That level of evil, horrific psychological abuse. Stealing someone's labor and their their body... And tormenting their mind for your own gain? God still calls that light and momentary trouble. And thankfully he's a very just God who gets very angry and will impart justice on the entire world. And to those who are believers who get in by the skin of their teeth... He still calls them Christians. He still has their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yes, they may have entered the kingdom of heaven as through a burning building because the work of their life was so temporal and worthless, but they are still his children. Man, that is uncomfortable to think about. I'm not saying that any of this is easy. I'm not about to say that. Forgiveness, walking in forgiveness is is like walking through hell. It sucks. I I'm I'm really ready to go home be with Jesus. I am so ready. But I need to write stories of Alberian first and do a few other things. So In the letters that I need to write, in the people who I confront, I am in no way able to influence or control, and heaven forbid, I try to manipulate anything that they do in response. No, that is not how this works. Our safety does not come from controlling other people's behavior. That is not how this works. So for me, the end goal is to write the letters, sit on them for an appropriate period of time, 
In this case, I'm going to handwrite them because I feel like that's a little bit more personal than email and it takes a little bit more time, which shows more care and concern for the other person. So I'm going to handwrite my, my letters. And then my end goal is to deliver those letters knowing that I have dealt with my own sin and that I have spoken the truth with care and concern for the other person. Because if I do that and I communicate the heart of Jesus accurately, because he sees the injustice against me, he sees it and he feels it with me far more deeply than I do. I had to talk to my girlfriend about an incident in order to even realize what was so off. And that's the thing about when people hurt us and we're broken, we don't, we're not able to identify. In my relationship with my mom, it has taken me an entire calendar year to understand why I was so angry. And I am finally now at a point where I can draft a letter explaining that to her. And I'm not even there yet. I've just written my first calm, cohesive letter, but it's too long and it has too much in it and will overwhelm her. And I need to write another version that is shorter. Like Mark Twain was right when he said, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. Like, no, I need to take the time to write a short letter to my mother. Yeah. So if I communicate the heart of Jesus accurately and with concern for them made in the image of God while at the same time standing up for the injustice, the injustice that has been done to me, I walk away with peace. And ultimately, that peace that surpasses understanding is the only thing I care about between me and God and not anyone else's opinion of me. If I know I'm right with God, nothing can touch that. Nothing. My name is Meg, and I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it is your turn. Go and live it.